But I want to I want to share the goodness of God with you out of His Scripture and out of His Word of something that's so supernatural that He gives the believer that we can battle against the enemy today, against his attacks, so we can stand and sing a worship song to speak to our past, to speak to our pain, to declare the goodness of the Lord, not to be captivated by our emotion, not to be captivated by our fear, our surroundings, but that we can bring God into the midst of our darkest storm and that He can give us a song in the midst of our darkest hell in order to bring glory to His name, to shine a light all around us of His glory and His majesty. And I'm so thankful for this word because it is having an impact in my life as I've been needing a breakthrough myself. And as God's given me this, it's just... uh, It's changed my life. It's given me direction. And it's given me the ability to be able to stand another day. And as we look at James 4, 7, and 8, I'm going to read out of the King James. He says, To submit yourselves therefore to God, and to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Jesus. That is... Such an amazing passage of Scripture because it speaks to the promise of God. It speaks to me that there's never a moment of my life that God is not looking down upon me. That there's never a moment in my life that I have to be captivated with fear. There's never a moment in my life that depression has to take rule and set in and dictate the course of my day. It tells me that my God is such a loving, merciful, gracious God that He will push the enemy back in every instance of my life if I will give Him full control. And as I've been reading this this past week, and the Lord's been opening my mind to a deeper revelation of the word to resist, we know the word to submit. It's pretty common. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know what submit means. Submit means just to lay down and give authority to. We know that as a Christian. But the word resist comes with a little more difficulty unless we really peer in and we, and we learn uh, how God desires to want us to fight. If, if we're not careful, we'll miss something that's so miraculous here in this scripture uh, about resist. Have you ever looked up the word resist in, in the Greek? It's pretty amazing. I never really had looked up the word resist until recently. I looked it up in the Webster Dictionary countless times. Look it up in the, in the uh, concordance and it literally means that we take a stand in an opposite direction. Right? That we take a stand that is visible to the public eye. And as I, as I look at that, and it actually lists the, the figurative word is, is to take a 180 degree stand. And that means the opposite direction of what the enemy is going, which means you have to face the obstacle. You know, uh, I don't know how many times in my life that I find myself feel like I'm being attacked from the back. And it's like the Lord shows me, well, son, you're turned the wrong way. And when you're being attacked from the back, when, we, when we're not facing the oppression, we're not facing the oppressor, then, then that's exactly where we find ourselves. We find ourselves being moved 
by the enemy the same direction that he's going. That's why chronic depression is so rampant in the earth today because you're being pushed by a demonic force in your circumstance and in your thought and in your mind uh, that God never intended the believer, the child of God, to be caught and captivated in that place. So many of us find ourselves in that trap to where we hadn't, we're not fighting the right way. Uh, maybe we've turned, we've turned 90 degrees one way, or maybe we're being pushed to the side. But regardless of where you are, if you find yourself being defeated today, you find yourself having more defeat than victory in the spiritual realm, then this is a word for you, as it's been a word for me. It says, to resist, to make visible your stand for the Lord. Now, this word in the Greek, it literally meant a military stand. So when you think about this and how a soldier would have fought, then is when you got a shield and you got a sword on the battlefield, there's a stance that you take as a fighter, right? It's a forward direction. A fighter don't stand like this with his body forward and his head back. The very first part of a soldier that is susceptible to the enemy is its head. It leans forward. It's how that it gets its balance. And as I've been reading this, and the Lord started connecting some things in my spirit uh, with the body armor of God, He's like, Jeremiah, to resist the devil looks a little bit different than how I've resisted him in the past. I'll resist him with my sword of faith, with my sword of the spirit. I'll resist him with my shield of faith, my breastplate of righteousness, my loins are girt about with truth, done shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But the scripture says that the first body of armor is the helmet of salvation. He says, You're fighting with all these things, your head's back here. He says, It's about your headship. When the body of Christ learns the purpose of headship, Headship is who you give submission to. He says, you can't win in this spiritual fight if your head is in the wrong place. Hey, Jesus. It don't matter how much you know about the Bible. It don't matter how much Greek and Hebrew that you know. He said, if you are not facing the right way with that head pushed forward first, that means you're taking a visible stand. Christ is being first to who God says that you are. Who the church is. His promises for a believer. That you take those things in full faith and that's the first thing that the enemy sees. With that headship comes victory. With that stand comes victory. A child of God that has his head back but all the other facets of Christian life pushed forward is susceptible to fall. Because when you're pushed back like this, all the enemy has to do is come up and touch your shoulder and you fall over. Right? He's like, but when you put the headship of Christ first in your life and you take that stand, all the other body armor then comes into full force. Because you see, where the mind is, the feet have to follow. When, when your mind, when your head is focused on the presence of Jesus Christ, and He's the one that's on the forefront, and you have your sword and you have your shield, as the enemy presses against you, he cannot go past the helmet of the hope of salvation. Jesus. That's how the Scriptures say It's a hope. It's the faith. None of the other armor matters. It doesn't matter how much of the word that you have to slice and dice with. 
It don't matter how big your spikes are in your feet of the preparation of the gospel of Christ. It doesn't matter. It don't matter how thick your blessed prey to righteousness is and how morally convicted that you are. None of it matters. Because if the helmet isn't in the right place, the rest of the armor is going to fall. So as the Lord's been sharing this with me this week, uh, I've been encouraged because the very next verse I say, well, Lord, I struggle with this not that I want to struggle with it or because I'm trying to live a certain, a certain way or I've got sin in my life that I'm wanting to hold on to is why I find myself in these places of weakness. I want to put you first. He says, go to the next verse. Here's some encouragement for the body of Christ today. He says, now, now that you submit yourself to God, you know, to submit's to make a decision. Submit doesn't mean that you're completely walking it out. All a submit is, is a place in your mind. Mine, Lord, I submit to you. Heads first now. Now you're facing the right way. You've taken the right stance. The rest of this may be way out of order. The rest of this, your shield might be down. You might not have the sword of the Spirit picked up. You might not be fully clothed. You might not know how to be fully clothed. You might just be learning. You might just have come to know the Lord as your personal Savior. There's all different types of places where you can be. It does not matter. It doesn't matter how much you know about God. It doesn't matter any of those things. What matters is Jesus Christ said, once you make the decision... Son, daughter, to put me first. That's all that you need. He says, now that your head is in the right place, it's, it's covered with the hope of salvation. He says, now, you resist the devil. He gives the power to resist and he will flee. He says, draw nigh to God and I will draw nigh to you. See, this is after that you've taken the stand. Some of us, we think that, we think that all of these things have to happen first. But this is listed after. He says, now cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. They have always read that in the past and what, where my mind wants to take me, where a place of religion wants to take you, is it says, you need to repent. You cleanse your hands, you sinners. You change your mind, you double-minded, and then you will be able to take the stand God has for you, and you can stand. That's not how the Scripture words it. That's not what he says. You know why? Because we don't have the ability in us to cleanse anything in our life. We don't have, we don't have the ability apart from Jesus Christ to change one facet of our life. He says you don't have to get completely clean. You don't have to come to a place of this holiness and righteous standard in order for me to fulfill this promise to you. All you need to do is first and foremost is make a decision on Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ becomes number one in your life. Then, I, then as you start to draw near to me, that's a process. As you start going through this process of sanctification, I will cleanse your hands. I will take away the double-mindedness. I will, I will purify your heart. You start to become more like me. But here's, a, here's something that's so miraculous about, that, about the Lord and His love for His church is He's so compassionate because He realizes our human weakness. You see, it's so simple, but we complicate it so much. Church, it's about Jesus. You may struggle with things in your life. You may have things that you wrestle against the enemy with. That's not right. It don't make it right. 
it doesn't... It, it doesn't make it, if it's contrary to God's Word, it don't mean that it's supposed to be there and God's just going to let you live it however long you want to live it. No, but what, what this means is that God loves His people. God has a purpose and plan for your life. And it's a process as you learn to put your head first toward Jesus Christ and you put the cross first in your marriage, in your home, in your personal life, the devil will have to flee. He has to. It's the Word of God. It's a promise of God. He cannot stand. You say, well, how long does it take him to flee? The very instant, the very moment, the very second that your head gets right, that your head is your heart, your whole body gets right. It doesn't take days. It don't take months of pushing the Lord first to see change. It's instantaneous. Why? Because the Word promises it. He says that He will flee from you. The enemy will have to flee. doesn't mean your circumstances and things change. We change in that process and it happens the moment that we take the right stand. But you see, I've been guilty in my own life of I'll take a stand but my stance hadn't been the right way. I haven't realized it until I'm getting defeated, until I find myself laying on my back and I've got all this knowledge, I've got all this faith to move mountains. I've got all of this preparation to teach and to preach God's Word. I've got this righteousness that I'm trying to seek and this moral conviction that sets me apart from society. And he says, then you can have all of those things, but here's what you missed. It's the thoughts. It's the innermost core of who that you are. It's what you really believe. It's your convictions. What do you stand on? So why are you being tormented with fear? Why are you being tormented with depression? Why are you letting the circumstance and the demonic spirit to take rent in your mind? You're letting it live there. Rent free. You say, just come on in. I'm going to maul over this all day long. I'm going to dream about it. I'm going to lose sleep over it. I'm going to sit here and allow it to torment me. And he says, that's not the stance of the child of God. Child of God isn't to live in torment. Torment's from the enemy. Torment brings confusion. Torment stifles the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Jesus. I'm going to give you a few scriptures here that you can write down. One is Isaiah 40, 31. He says, But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Jesus, that is a promise of Almighty God. Uh, another one is Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper in every tongue that rises against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, Jesus, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Jesus, those are promises that we can keep in our heart. Those are, those are basic fundamental scriptures that's engraved all over the helmet of the hope of salvation. 
that we use as an arsenal against the attack of the enemy. You say, how do you fight drug addiction? How do you fight alcoholism? How do you fight gambling addiction? How do you fight sexual things? How do you fight depression? How do you fight all of these type of things that come against all of mankind? The Scripture says there's no temptation that's just unique to you. There's nothing that you're battling right now that sets you apart from the rest of the human world that they can't understand the type of torment you're going through. They can't understand how my life has been set up, what people have done, the situations I've been placed in. It's nothing new. It's all over the world. We all face it in different ways. Granted, there's somebody somewhere that has went through what you're going through now and maybe more. There is somebody. And you say, where are they? I can't read anything about it. His name was Jesus Christ. He says, Jesus has suffered in all ways that we have suffered, but we have a high priest that we can go to that has overcome it all, church. And He says, you overcome it by My presence. You overcome it by Me. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, what is the cross? The cross is dying to self. It's just saying, I can't, you can. It's saying, yes to Jesus and no to hell. Jesus, right? Scripture John 14, 6, He says, No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the light. So many of us are searching for life. So many of us call upon the name of the Lord, but we're lifeless. We look like dry bones being drugged just through a process of time. The joy's gone. The passion of the Lord. The convictions of His truth is gone. And He says, wake up, son. Get your head in the game. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever played played sports in school. I did. How many times did your coach say, get your head in the game, son? It wasn't that your head was there. It was in the wrong place. And he says it's not that you're not a talented athlete and that you don't have the ability to win against the enemy. The coach knew who you was. Knows that you had the potential. Knows what he's taught you. He knows he's seen it on the practice field time and time again. But the coach recognizes something that you can't see when you're on the field in the immediate getting slaughtered. He says, I can see it because I'm on the sideline looking in. He says, your head's in the wrong place. Your thoughts sitting where they need to be. Get your mind where it needs to be, son. Recognize who you are, the purpose for where you're at, the stand on the field that you're taking, what your position is, and what you are commissioned to do on the field. He says, he, everyone has a specific position to play. And when it's being played with purpose... And when it's played with conviction, when it's played with power and authority, training, all of these things, because we have the head coach, the highest coach that has ever lived. That's Jesus Christ. He knows life. He says, if you don't have life, come to me. I have it. I've got it all. I've got everything that you need to live life. And it's amazing because as we come to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, His personal Savior, miracles start to happen because there is a submission. There is a place that we come that we learn to submit, but in that process, so many times as we are learning and we're growing in this Christian life, God, He had to pin it down for us to come back to a place of remembrance. That's if we're reading the Word, if we're feeding ourselves, by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word, and we're digging it 
as the proverb says. You dig it as you're looking for hid treasure, as for gold. That, that takes purpose. You're taking the effort to push the shovel in a hard, parched ground. That's life. We need answers in life. We find it here in the presence of Jesus Christ. Jesus, He will give you the life that you desire, so desire to have. And He will give you strength to walk through any situation, circumstance that you currently face. He will give you power from on high. It's a promise of God. If you're being tormented by the enemy today, if there's been an attack that's come against your life, know this, it has come for a reason. It didn't come by accident. The enemy wasn't running around wondering, well, I'm going to fight this one with this problem physically. I'm going to fight this one with this problem family-wise, emotionally, all these things. No. He comes with purpose full force because He knows who you are as a Christian. He, the enemy knows that a child of God possesses a power that he does not possess. And he knows that if he can get our mind out of the game, he knows if he can get our mind in the wrong place, he knows if he can discredit the promises of God, if he can get us doubting, if he gets us in a place of, of frustration, Bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, rage, all types of things start to set in that's not of God. That's why Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that's why he says to give thanks to the Lord that we rejoice, we give thanks to the Lord that we come before Him with all prayer and supplications, making our requests be made known unto God. And he says, in the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That is a military stand that Christ takes for you as a guard. How does He do the guard? How does the guard work? Because He closes he closes the belief with spiritual armor from on high that you have to physically pick up. You, you have to physically see it. Know that it's there, see? But you have to be aware of its presence. You've got to be aware of the, of the armor that God has for you through Jesus Christ. The very first, first and foremost, you can't have anything else unless you have Jesus. You can't have any victory in your life. Even as a child of God, you will walk and live your life in total defeat and be rendered useless for the kingdom of God if Christ is not put in His rightful place. If He is not put first. If He has not been dedicated in your life. If you have not decided to submit means to decide. Every man and woman has to come to a place of decision in life of whom they're going to serve. Who will you believe? Will you believe the lie of the enemy whose life is destined for eternity a hell that has no life according to the Word of God? And he wants to take as many people there with him as he possibly can. How does he take them there? He takes them there because what? Because they say no to Jesus. Right? That's why. Because they say no to the headship of Christ. They say no. I'm not going to put him on my, my mind. I can't, I can't submit. I can't make that decision. I, I can't put him all full force in my life. And he says, those that don't have Christ in the last days are going to be found wanting. Those that don't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior is going to suffer more than just defeat here in this life. They're going to suffer defeat in the life to come, which is eternity through separation between them and God. 
placed in a place of torment forever that's everlasting, where there is no hope for change to ever come. But here's the miraculousness, the the miracle of the gospel of Jesus Christ that the church has today. There is still opportunity for change in your life. Today, no matter where that you are, whether you know the Lord and you have tried to put Him down or you've tried to to shift your body in certain ways and you're being attacked and you find yourself in defeat, today is a day that there's still ability to change. If you've never known the Lord as your personal Savior, if He has never been head of your life, if you've never submitted your life to Jesus Christ, today is a miraculous day for you because there's still time for change. There's still time to pick up, to stand, to learn how to fight, to be able to, to, be able to come against the attack of the enemy and have victory. Jesus, He gives it to all of His children. He wants so much for you and me to be able to find that life. It is found in the presence of Jesus Christ church. In these last days, you're going to see things change. People change. The world changes. Government changes. Jesus Christ does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His promises will never change for the child of God. You say, it's hard to be able to see and to be able to visualize the things that I see and feel today in the world and and to be able to walk with this type of purpose and passion. Yes, it is hard for the natural mind because the natural mind is trying to figure out the things that God only knows. And we get discouraged because we feel like that, 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 that there's something that needs to happen, that needs to change, but we can't make it change. So then we get, taught, we get caught in this place of torment and defeat and depression because while we're waiting on everything else around us to change, we're mad about it, we're angry about it, we're talking about it, we're slandering it. It's what comes out of our mouth every time that we come together. The wickedness of the world. All of these things. While He has us trapped in that place, the world and the time clock is still ticking. And while He has our mind wrapped up in confusion, we can't possess and produce and and to be able to manifest the glory of God to turn the wickedness. You can't change it. You're never going to change it. While you're waiting on it to change, eternity's going to slip into your hands before you ever see it happen. Because He's the only one that can change it. How does He change it? He changes it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Personal conviction. People have to make a choice. We bring the crossroads of life to the world. You are a crossroad inside of you is the power of the Holy Spirit that poses a question to mankind. When the world comes into contact with the church, when the world comes into contact with the believer in Jesus Christ, questions are surfaced in its mind. What is this? This don't sound the same. This don't look the same. He's not the same. What is it? What is it that causes them to think? The Holy Spirit then... It's all on Him. From that moment forward, from you be the expression of Christ, from that moment forward, the rest is on Him. Nothing else. You have no other part. How do you water? You say, well, some, water, some, some plant seeds, some water. Yes, God gives the increase. How do we plant seeds? How do we water? Through the presence and the person of Jesus Christ by our stand 
by our headship being displayed to the world. Jesus. May the church learn how to fight in these last days to take the stand that God so much wants us to learn to be able to take so we can fight the right way. So we have victory in these last days. See, a child of God, the church that don't know how to stand, that don't know how to fight, that don't have personal conviction of the presence of Jesus Christ in their own life will fall. When hard times come, when, when questions and things all around start to change because we are driven off emotion instead of truth, that emotion will take you to places that you do not desire to go. And like the old saying is, it will keep you there longer than what you ever desired to stay. But Jesus Christ, no matter where that you are, even if you're captivated in that place today, this very instant, you can make a change and a stand. Submit your life to Jesus Christ today. Allow Him to take full authority and control of situations that's out of your control. It may be family, it may be children, it may be grandchildren, it may be health issues, it may be a whole wide variety, it might be financial things, I don't know what all it is. But He will give you the ability, He will empower you to possess the life of Christ and to share and to be able to give life from a place of perceived death that only He has the ability to give. That's the testimony of Jesus Christ. That is a testimony church in these last days. How do you testify unless you're going through something? See, He says to rejoice in the trials, the sufferings, and things that we face in life. Why? Because it produces patience. When patience has its perfect work, what does He say? God is then glorified. So then, so to speak, paraphrase, God is glorified. What He, Romans 8.28, becomes lived in the life of the believer with a knowing, for we know all things work together for the good to those who love God, for those who are the called according to His purpose. Alright, 1 Corinthians 2.9 No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no thought has entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love Him. Jesus, what's Romans 3, or Revelation 3.20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Any man that opens the door unto me allows me to come in. I will come in and share a meal together with him as friends. Jesus, these are the Scriptures. This is God's Word. Read it, learn it, memorize it. Write it on the table of your heart. Where's your heart? Your heart's your mind. Put it full force. Put the promises and the truth of God ahead of your own. Jesus, die to yourself and allow God to do what only that He can do. Die to your own thoughts. Die to your own ways of trying to figure things out. Allow Him to take full control. Erect the cross of Jesus Christ today, and you will never be disappointed. Jesus, He says to cast your cares upon Him. Jesus, the load that we cannot carry. Why? Because He cares for you. He loves you. He has the ability to carry the weight of the world. He's already carried it all the way to the cross. How in the world could a man or woman ever say no to the one person in this life that gave His life for you? Jesus. Has anyone ever died for you? 
Has your mom or dad died for you? Has your grandpa or grandma, have they died for you out of love? I've never had anyone in this physical life die for me. But Jesus Christ did die for me. He took a payment for sin that I couldn't take because of His love for me. And He wants to pour that love out to the world. Oh, as we have to do is say yes to Jesus. And no to hell. Yes to Jesus. No to the world. He will then empower you. He'll start to clean up your life. He'll start to clean up your thoughts. He'll start to clean up your language. He'll start to clean up what you do with your hands. He'll start to clean up where you go with your feet. Jesus, when He is the head. Jesus, in these last days, we need the gospel preached in full power and authority church. We need the headship of Christ shown to the world. We need men and women that's empowered by the Holy Spirit with the gospel, the great commission to go ye into all the world and bring the crossroad of compassion and love of Jesus Christ. Break down the illusion of sin in the eternal destiny of that road and, possess, and, and bring the road of Jesus Christ the narrow way to the lost and the brokenhearted to bring freedom to those that's enslaved by the lies of the enemy in the world. Set them free. Set the captives free. Jesus, that's what we do. That's who we are, church. But we have to first be free ourselves. We can't set nothing free when we're enslaved in the same prison, we're in the same chain. Jesus. This identity message. Who are we today? Who do we desire to be? Who is the head? Where is my stand? Do I have victory today? Do I have the joy of the Lord in my heart? Jesus. Is Christ, is He winning victories for me? Jesus. He wants to give you that today. And this morning, we're going to have an altar call. And we're going to, I'm going to ask for the church to search your heart today. We're few in numbers here this morning. It doesn't matter about the numbers. Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're preaching to one soul. I want to share something with you that might help change your course of ministry. If you're waiting for the masses, for your passion and your zeal to come and your purpose to be displayed to the world, you're going to miss it. When you can stand before one man and that be your audience and you bring forth the passion and conviction of Jesus Christ because of what He has done in your life and the word He has put on your heart, Jesus, you will find freedom. You will find liberty in that place. You will find your purpose. Jesus, may we be a church that's called to the one. May we be a church that has the eye for the one, that if it's only one, that the love that's shared from our heart in, in the passion of Jesus Christ that they experience, may be it be the same as those that we have witnessed that has spoken to millions. As they stand on the platform and speak to nations, may that individual see that and feel that love and anointing upon our own life. Jesus.
Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for your word, Lord, in the house of God this morning. God, Lord, we want to come before you, Lord, and ask that you would help us to empower us, Lord, to be able to put you first, God. Lord, help us, Lord, to make decisions, Lord, as we go throughout the week. Lord, as, as decisions are placed before us each and every day, Lord, that You would help empower us by the power of Your Holy Spirit, Lord, as we reach towards You and we groan, Lord, to be closer to You, Lord. Lord, will You help show us, Lord, the areas, Lord, and places, Lord, of our life, Lord, where we have put You in the back and to bring You to the front, Lord. May we experience the victory of Jesus Christ, Lord, in and through our life, in and through our work, Lord, and through our marriages, Lord, with as situations we deal with with family, Lord, the community, Lord, government, whatever that it may be. May they see you first. May they not see our our flesh and our discontent and our anger and our bitterness and our unforgiveness and our rage, may it be covered, even though it's part of every single one of us. May it be covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, that they don't see those things, that they see you first, that they see a countenance of your face, of the brightness of your glory being lived in and through our life. May it be the drawing factor that points them to relationship and salvation in you alone. May we have the voice of angels that helps draw people, Lord, that a sound that we produce upon this earth that's so well-pleasing, Lord, that's so different than what the sound that's taking place and what people hear each and every day of their life. May the sound that we produce be something supernatural from You as we get a new song each and every day in our heart, as we gain more strength from You each and every day, as our hands are being cleaned more and more from one day to the next, our hearts are being cleaned, the double-mindedness is being taken away day by day, Lord. As we press towards You, we take our stand, we display You before the world. God, Lord, will You not leave us in a place of shame, in defeat, Father, Lord. I ask, Lord, for Your marvelous glory, Lord, to be displayed in and through this church, Lord, and in through each and every member of this congregation and this body that ever walks through the doors of this temple meeting place. May they feel Your presence. May Your anointing fall in this place, Holy Spirit. Jesus, Lord, touch the hearts of those who's weak. Touch, Lord, the feeble knees. Father, Lord, those that don't have the ability to stand, that's hit the ground, Father, Lord, Stand them up this morning. Breathe the life of Jesus Christ in and through this place, Lord. May Your Holy Spirit touch them. Lord, bring life to those areas of darkness. Lord, as they put the helmet of the hope of salvation, Lord, write it deep upon their hearts, Father, Lord. Lord, give them the ability to memorize the Scripture. Lord, give them the ability, Lord, to be able to find the places in the Scripture as they read by the power of the Holy Spirit as they study Your Word. Lord, help them to remove the distractions. The enemy don't want them to know the truth as when you receive that word from the throne of God it's a life changing word it goes from a place of just logos a, a word on paper to a rhema word that's a life lived Jesus may that anointing Lord fall upon our churches all across the world today Lord give the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to your preachers Lord that preach the gospel message to the evangelist
evangelist, Father. Lord, to bring the crossroads to a lost and dying world. Lord, convict the hearts of the sinners. Lord, convict the hearts of our government, Lord. Convict the hearts of church leadership all over the world that's running away from You, that's facing the wrong direction, Father, Lord. Turn them around this morning, Father, Lord. Set them in their rightful place, Lord. Give them the stance that they need to take when You pushed forward in all things, Lord. And may You be glorified in Your temple once again. Lord, may it be seen with power and authority, Lord Jesus. Lord, and we know that You have the ability, even in its darkest hour, Lord, when You come into the midst, there is victory. So, Lord, we thank You and we honor and we praise You, God, that You are God of the miraculous. Jesus, Lord, we need You. Our country needs You. The world needs You. The lost needs You. Your church needs You more than ever. Jesus, may You be glorified, Lord, in all that we do. Lord, help bind us together as a family, Lord, to walk with purpose in one accord. Jesus, Lord, draw strength from one another, Lord, for these last days. Jesus, Lord, help show us our purpose, Lord, as we desire a passion, Lord, for You. So, Lord, thank You for meeting us here this morning. Lord, perform the work which this Word was sent forth to produce in the life of all those that hear including my own. In Jesus' holy, precious name, amen.